Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast, presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Andrew Allegretta, the football voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores. Andrew appears on the guest line that is presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items, including a display case for my prize Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call or a text. That number is 615-830-9458. The news presented by Stakes. There are big games every week in the SEC, and to add some excitement, we've made some predictions in the Stakes app. That is S-T-A-K-E-S. You can sign up there. Go to playwithstakes.com forward slash 14 Use the invite code SOUTHEASTERN14. When you sign up, you'll get a double welcome bonus. It's a game where you make your picks, you play. It is always free, no cost to join, no cost to place wagers, and you can win stuff. Again, check that out. Use the promo code SOUTHEASTERN14 and get a double welcome bonus. All right, now on to our interview with Andrew Allegretta. Andrew Allegretta joins us today. He is one of the play-by-play voices for Vanderbilt Sports. He was, of course, announcing the football game at Alabama, which didn't exactly go Vanderbilt's way, a 55-3 loss to the Crimson Tide. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Good to be here, Chris. How are you? Doing well. Um, Good. Things did not go so well for the Commodores, and I, I sense that one didn't sit very well once it was all over. Yeah, it's kind of like a combo thing for them, huh? It's it's a recognition of the fact that that we all know where Vanderbilt uh, is deficient by comparison to a Georgia, to Alabama. That's not shocking, um, but I don't think that that they probably walked away from that feeling like they performed at their best. Um, like the the Clark Lee translation, all of the time is uh, design and execution, and I mean, like, look, it's it's Will Anderson, it's Bryce Young, it's it's these guys off the bench like Ja'Cory Brooks, who had four catches coming into the game and had about six in the first half, that, that Alabama just can roll out there, that Vanderbilt at the moment can't. Um, but I, I don't think they walked away from that feeling good. I, I got the sense, and we talked with Barton um, on Monday night's radio show, that 55 to three fits differently than what was it? 63 to nothing versus Georgia a season ago. I think yeah. there's more hurt in that locker room these days. Um, I think you saw it kind of playing out in real time with Darren Agu down the stretch had a couple of penalties and was disappointed in his performance. And he was frustrated. Um, I, I suspect there was a lot of bruised egos uh, inside that locker room in Tuscaloosa and, and and that's a good thing, right? I feel like sometimes we we kind of, you know, it, it's almost like I think back to Coach Corbin's quote that got so much attention, uh, right back in back in spring, where he's like, 
you know, I care. I'm an emotional guy. <laughs> and, and some of those emotions are recognitions that, that there's a lot of effort, energy, and care level behind this. And, and I just get a sense with this group, Chris, that while they, while they are not there in totality for sure to compete, you know, snap for snap with Alabama, which almost nobody is, um, that there is a lot of pride in what they what they're doing and their vision from both a coaching and player standpoint, where they, where they left the locker room feeling a way more down at 55 to three than, than the, the collection of Commodores left the locker room 63 to nothing a season ago. Um, and that's a good thing. I, I mean, I'm not trying to only sit here and parse the moral victory sort of stuff, but you can't do anything unless you care and give a rip about it. Um, and, and I get a sense that these guys care a lot, a, a lot, like not just like, Hey, they care and they want to play well. Like I, these guys care like this whole group of freshmen came here as they say, as visionaries and all of that sort of stuff. And Ray Davis is out there putting his you know heart on the table, trying to make something out of his football career and all that sort of stuff. I just think there's a, there's a lot of high care guys uh, in that locker room, even if they're not there in execution yet. Yeah, it's. I mean, that, that's a start that that hasn't existed at times. I think, or not existed enough, or not as like collectively, right? Like, yeah. If, if you if you've got a couple of people that care and a couple of people that don't, the whole thing just is going to crumble. Yeah. Um, so I, I I just I think there is more of a universal care level with this group. I, I just being around the locker room or whatever. I you feel the weight of the disappointment more i think this year than you did last year which isn't to say that a lot of people didn't care last year i think they did i think it's just when you get more collective buy-in the weight of the missteps hurts more and you can feel it more just having been around teams so that stuff matters yeah well i mean you flash back to two years ago this is before you were here um you know, there were some COVID absences at the end of the season, but there were also a lot of players who didn't, frankly, just didn't care to finish the season, uh, which is never a good point to be. So that's that's kind of the foundation for the rebuild that Clark Lee had. Um, another foundation is finding good young players. And I mean, if you're looking at things that you can take as a positive, I guess, um, I thought Ricky Wright played pretty well. I'm sitting here looking at his pro yeah. football focus grade. That that backed it up. He's a kid that we have always said, you know, if he can get healthy and 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 find the field, I guess health hasn't been a big issue with him. But you know, that that is an obstacle to playing time. A lot of he's places that he could help. Yeah, yeah, he's had, had a few. few. Yeah, um, you know, he played well. Uh, they got C.J. Taylor on the field more. Uh, in fact, he led them in snap counts on defense, although I think that was because Mahoney didn't play. So that's that's the other thing. Like, if he gets healthy, how do you resolve that? But, I mean, I, I thought there were moments that they were competitive, you know, from play to play, but they just they could not stop Alabama's passing attack. Nick Saban seemed to know exactly where to attack them and, and just kind of went at them. But I guess the, the bright side, you, you look down the list um, – Wright played a lot. Darren Agu played a lot. Uh, 42 snaps. Uh, Jeffrey Ugochukwu played a lot. Um, BJ Diakate played a lot. 
Wataha played a good number of snaps. Um, looking down the list, Sandy Anola, Richard, um, a lot of Bradley Mann found a few snaps. This this is the time where you figured it would happen, where they are really leaning on a lot of freshmen to get some experience. And I apologize if you said this uh, and I just missed it because you cut out for just a second on me there, Chris, but I thought Will Shepard played really well. Um, three catches, 50-some-odd yards, um, but but those were three tough catches, and yeah. Alabama had to actively shut him down, right? They had to say, okay, let's double cover Will Shepard. And when he had an opportunity to go one-on-one and do some back-shoulder throws with A.J. Swan, they connected on those. And, and I thought... I thought if, if there was ever allowed three catches for 56 yards, Will Shepard had it, despite the fact that his touchdown streak of five consecutive games snapped. Uh, I, I just felt like he decided he was going to be tough, physical, and aggressive against the Alabama secondary. And while he may not be capable, like most, of beating an Alabama double team, um, if anyone dares to leave him in single coverage, I, I think he can go make some plays in this league throughout the course of the season. And, and Barton, Barton made another good point on the Monday night show that, look, in the, in the history of Vanderbilt football, if they, if they tend to have a guy at wide receiver, a Earl Bennett, a Jordan Matthews, those guys get fed. And right now, Will is, is getting fed. Now, is he Earl? Is he Jordan? Certainly not yet. But even Barton recognized that that he has a chance with good growth, with um, strong worth ec- worth ec- uh, work ethic, and and not getting hurt, that that Will could walk out of here as kind of one of those guys that we talk about down the road. Again, not saying he hits you know the records that Earl or Jordan hit, but he's got a chance to be one of those guys and. and I just I felt like he took a nice step against Alabama. I mean, ten catches, one seventy-one, and a very competitive physical game against Northern Illinois is one thing. And they were focused on him, and he was matched up with their best defender against Northern Illinois. That uh, C.J. Brown, one of their safeties, they put on Will as their best guy, and Will still got ten catches, one seventy-one. And then you go to Alabama. And they put a, a darn good guy on Will throughout the course of the game, whoever it happened to be. At times, I think it was Jordan Battle or whatever. Um, and he was able to get physical with his matchups and win some. So, uh, look, I, I think that genuinely matters and should bode well for the rest of the season. You've got a combination between AJ and Will that, that if you get enough complementary pieces with Ray running effectively – or McGowan being effective or whatever, if you have to give something up to deal with McGowan or Ray or Patrick or whatever, then they're going to go right back to Will Shepard because he's proven that he can be successful. By the way, um, as a sidebar here for a minute, I guess some of the wins Vanderbilt got are getting a little more attractive. Northern Illinois played Kentucky within a touchdown, and that was with its backup quarterback. Um, Elon is unbeaten outside of playing Vanderbilt, for whatever that's worth. And Hawaii's got a win now, which I wasn't sure that was going to happen, but but it has. So, yeah. <laughs> look, yeah, we're, I, I we're discussing a 52-point loss, so yeah. we, we find what we yeah. can, right? But um, 
Well, but but I mean, it's all context. I mean, Wake Forest goes to the wire with Clemson and, and certainly could have won that game uh, last week, too. So, I, I mean, for Vanderbilt to judge the season's in success, you're clearly climbing this growth ladder of going to get some SEC victories. Like, you got out of here at 3-1 and one in the non-conference. Now you're still staring at this 22-game SEC losing streak. That has to change. You're going to have to get back the bowl game eligibility. You're going to have to sustain it year after year. I'm not just talking about this year. I'm talking about multiple-year consistency with the Clark Lee era. But, um, yeah, I, these, these things are context. And, I, I, look, I mean, it, it is what it is. The Alabama people, as we were leaving, goes, that team's better. Um, you know, just talking to some of their radio crew and people that have seen plenty of Vanderbilt teams over the years. Um, he goes, that team's better. Um, so, you know, they're, they're all just data points. Eventually all that matters is the wins and losses, but Hey, I mean, I'm not, again, not trying to spit shine anything. It's just, it is what it is. Like the team cares, they look better. Alabama is going to make a lot of people look real silly and real goofy. Uh, and then you just, you gotta you gotta be able to honestly evaluate the performance and where you could have done better. And I, I think there's areas certainly Mandy could have. Um, and then you recognize the game for what it is, and then you, you you throw everything you got at the next one. Yeah, I think where it spirals out of control for them is the elite athletic teams like Alabama. You saw it with Georgia last year. You'll probably see it with Georgia again this year. Like you give them. You know, a Wake Forest, which was a better team and is a better team, and you know, you you you're a little more careful with the ball there. That game is is a lot closer than than it was. Wake is a really good team, but it doesn't have Alabama slash Georgia athleticism. Not not that most teams do. But my point is, it it's sort of with where they are as a program, it disproportionately spins out of control against a team like that uh, more so than it would for, say, a mid-level SEC team. And I just really right. think it's it's the athletic gap and, and maybe the mental hurdle that comes with dealing with that. I don't know. If you've, if you've got a better take uh, I, on it, have at it. But, I, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I People are probably sick of me talking about the mental side of it. Like it, At some point, just go be athletic and win a ball game. But I, I just – you just feel like – and it's just my two cents, you know, observations coming in and whatever. But you just, you got to convince yourself that you're not bad <laughs> before you can go yeah. beat somebody, right? I mean, Norm Jordan, we, we talked about it a bunch. I think it was the Northern game during our broadcast or whatever. It's like, if you, especially at the wide receiver or corner position where you're going in these one-on-one battles, like if you don't think you're a, you're a guy, you're a dude, you're a dog, you're whatever you want to call it. If you don't think you're that, you got no chance. <laughs> and then you yeah. got to replicate that 22 times over with everybody at their position. And uh, it, it's pretty understandable why some guys would have a mental hurdle on that kind of stuff. And that's, that's why Clark Lee talks the way that he talks, right? That's why he discusses the things that he talks about and why he's so consumed with sports psychology at the moment because because he has to be because if he had Bryce Young you wouldn't have to deal with it <laughs> it's just Bryce goes and does Bryce things and you don't have to work about worry about the mental side of football it's just because the athleticism takes over 
right? It's the whole will beats skill when skill doesn't try hard or whatever. But if skill's out of control, then will doesn't matter. But but right now they're they're the skill's not out of control. They got really talented football players, but it's not Alabama, and that's fine. So you got to work on the will part. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend Dr. Jody Jones DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Is this a good time for a bye week? I think so. Um, I don't know what a I don't know what necessarily a bad time for a bye week is. Um, I don't I don't also necessarily know what a good time for a bye week is. I said yes, and then I kind of backpedaled. I, I don't, I don't know what coaches would define as a good time. Um, in, invariably, you're going to be playing with a bunch of injuries. I mean, it's just football, so it doesn't matter if it's week two, five, ten. You're going to have injuries, and getting a week off to heal up is is always a good thing, regardless of the time of the season. Um, I, I, I hope. I guess my hope is the Alabama game didn't didn't drag them down mentally that that they can't regain the feeling of three and one beating Northern Illinois and kind of all of the juice that came out of that game. I just I hope it doesn't drag them down too far. And now you've got to pick yourself back up for Old Miss and then Georgia and it's just hard and then you know, the stretch run of the season is, is gettable for this Vandy team with South Carolina, Missouri, and, you know, I don't know, Florida, obviously very talented, and Anthony Richardson, we saw him last year, is a very good quarterback, but, you know, they, they're they certainly not without their own flaws, and, you know, the back end of the schedule is gettable, um, so I, I just hope, I hope it doesn't drag them down emotionally in the next two games or, you know, difficult and and you're not feeling the way that you want to but it's i mean it's it's also there's an element of pitching to this whole thing too where it's like you're only as good as your next day's starting pitcher uh and just because you're you're flying high after three and one and you get a missouri team that you think you can beat and then you kind of swing and miss and then all of a sudden you're down in the dumps so hey i don't know i i rambled there chris on you and not intentionally I, i just don't I, there's no formulas to any of this. Hey, th- these are not the easiest things to do after 52 point losses, and and I do have some experience <laughs> with that over the years. Uh, yeah, more, more than I care to have, other, but yeah, yeah. In, in other sports and other teams, I've I've walked down the path of getting beat like 20 something to two in a baseball game or whatever it was. So I've 
I've seen these days. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've well, you know what? I'm going to go to the mailbag. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rather than recycle another talking point here. Okay. Our mailbag is presented by Sutherland and Belk. Sutherland Belk is a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number, 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Okay, Ann Arbordor asks, what injuries did Vanderbilt have coming after the Alabama game, and when might those players return? Well, first off, I'm certainly hopeful guys like Jalen Mahoney gets, gets healthy Moving forward, obviously, he didn't play, so that was a factor. In terms of actually coming out of that game, you know, the only one that we kind of took note of on the sideline, and for what it's worth, ones that we're able to take note of during the course of our broadcast tend to be the big ones, right? Everyone is getting some treatment for some banged up or bruised shoulder or finger or hand or whatever. Um, but the noticeable one was Bradley Mann coming out of that one. He got hurt, um, I guess, fourth quarter or so, maybe third, did not return to the ball game. Um, that that one looks and feels a little bit more long-term, but I don't have specifics on it. Um, so that's, you know, that's unfortunate for that young man from Jacksonville. I, I, and again, I don't know anything 100% concrete for sure. It's just, it wasn't like he got banged up and came back into the game. Like he was, he was hurt and he was done. Um, so we'll see there. Um, hopefully you get like a Braden Bats coming back on the defensive line, the transfer quote unquote transfer, uh, from the tight end position. So that would be helpful. Um, you know, still trying to take tabs on Davey and Davis. I don't think that's quite there just yet. Um, but it was, it was good to get, uh, it was good to get, you know, Patrick Smith back. It was good to get, you know, Rocco Griffin some snaps. I, I think this bye weekend will be helpful for him. Goodness. Like, I, I just, I think Bandy's running attack is just different with Rocco. And like, I've talked with people about Rocco's game specifically, and I recognize that it may not pop, and he may not have that one discernible skill set that is, head and shoulders above the rest of the competition but to me he's still Vanderbilt's best north and south runner like Patrick likes to go east and west that's his instinct Ray's a stronger back but but he still desires to bounce it outside um and Rocco I don't I don't think Rocco has any problem sticking his nose in between the tackles or guards so it was good to see him get some snaps in fact he broke a couple of reasonable chunk runs like 10, 15 yard or something like that. Um, so it was, uh, it was good to see him out there. Quincy Skinner, hopefully uh, the extra week there is helpful for Quincy. Uh, I guess they've deemed that a soft tissue entry. So, uh, it, I mean, bye weeks always help. So that's, that's the immediate, you know, status report that I can think of. Andrew with Davion Davis Let's say he doesn't play against Ole Miss. He's now missed half of the games. At what point, and I guess this also depends on what he's thinking, where he is in his degree progression, a number of things. But I, I do wonder at some point, does just a flat-out redshirt, although I guess you can 
he could play four games and still redshirt, which helps. But I, I do wonder, you know, for for instance, if he's borderline, are you better off just waiting until November fifth, playing him against South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee to finish out the season? Maybe you get him at better strength, and maybe you also get a redshirt for him. But you would under the rule if that's what he wants. That last part is key, right? If that's what he wants. Um, I don't know. I've not talked with Davian about that. Um, I've not nudged my way into Davian's situation, even with the coaching staff, too, too much because I think it's a bit early to tell. Um, and, and you're going to have the growth of some younger players, too, that have to be acknowledged there. Um, it's not the same point-to-point comparison, but... You know, I mean, Coach Corbin has talked about this to an extent. We're in this weird world where everyone has more eligibility than you're used to. Your classes are a little bit turned upside down. And yes, it would be great to have some of these veterans come back. But you also have these younger players that, you know, you have committed yourself to. They've committed themselves to the program and they deserve the opportunity to grow within their space and not have their progression stunted. And we know how significant, you know, first class 22 and the 23 class and whatever is going to be to the, the heartbeat of the football program. So I don't know. I, I think you certainly would take Davian and football having depth as a different thing with 85 scholarships. I get it than 11.7. Um, but I, 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 I think there, there certainly feels like there's a lot up in the air with Davian at this moment in time. Okay, the last one, this comes from H.D. Young 3. If you were the head coach, how would you try to use Mike Wright? Any chance Mike has interest in those plans? Can I turn that around on you? Like, how would you use <laughs> Mike Wright at this point? Um, I don't know what you can do in the middle of the season with the kid who has not taken reps unless something has happened in the last week or so at another position, you don't just, I don't think, say, hey, Mike, you're you're a wide receiver and and you're going to get some quarterback snaps here and there. I mean, I think maybe you can use him in a certain package, you know, if it's a, a third and two or something like that where the other team has trouble with speed on the edge. Maybe you find him there. But I, I think, to me, Probably the ship sailed, um, I, I don't know, in, in spring. I think Mike had a chance to to switch to another position and didn't do it, didn't want to do it. So to me, that's a discussion that you probably just have to table if a position switch is in there into the offseason. I mean, look, uh, I don't mean to be unfair to Mike here. I, I think it's pretty clear they feel that A.J. Swan is, is the future of that position. Uh, but Mike, Mike's talented. Mike's got some things that can help a team. I, I think I am trying to make him a wide receiver in the offseason, uh, but you know, that may or may not be what Mike wants to do at this point. Uh, there is a transfer portal if you're not happy with yeah. your role. and um, I yeah. think for this year the easy answer is use him in spots where it makes sense. I think all of that sounds right to me. Um, I think the premise of the question, which I get also, um, quickly moves off, 
moves over the possibility of injury, right? So yeah. if you make some sort of uh, grand design for what Mike is going to be, perhaps in another position or package or whatever, you have now glossed over the fact that it's certainly possible and knock on wood, we don't want it to happen by any means, but AJ gets hurt. It's football. And at that point, if you've totally redesigned Mike, then it defaults back to Ken. And it's not that Ken can't perform. Um, We've seen him perform and, and be a solid quarterback for Vanderbilt in the past. But I also don't know what's in Ken's head. <laughs> uh, and, and perhaps you have better insight there, too. Like if Ken has, you know, a, a design and a desire to, to go finish his degree and perhaps hang on to a year of eligibility, excuse me, and go transfer and play some. I'm not saying that's what he's thinking. I'm just I'm, I'm saying it's possible that he's thought about that. And now if you slide Ken into that backup role and Mike is something else, now Ken doesn't have what he was looking for. Like that's all I'm saying, right? Like if you move Mike to something else, like you're never going to touch the quarterback position again, or you're going to totally do it from an option standpoint. I I think, I think mostly you have to kind of keep him in the backup quarterback role and let him get the second string snaps as much as possible throughout the course of practice, because it's certainly entirely plausible that he is forced back into the starting quarterback role out of circumstances that you don't want. Um, and, and I, and in fairness to Mike, I suspect if he had the desire to change position, right, it would have happened already uh, at some point throughout the course of his career. There is no way with his size and his speed and his athleticism, and to be frank, his limitations as a thrower, the possibility has never been broached or at least, you know, lobbed into the air. So if, if that was on his plate, he would have done it already. Cam Chancellor, the great safety uh, for the Seahawks, came through Virginia Tech as a quarterback. And for, in fact, when he first sat in the meeting rooms, it was Cam Chancellor and Sean Glennon. And I think maybe even Tyrod Taylor for half a second, like those three guys were all in the same quarterback room. I think, but for sure, Sean and Cam. And eventually Cam was like, you're really fast, you're really big, you can knock people out, let's go put you at safety. Uh, and he did it. So in fairness to Mike, he wants to be a quarterback. Uh, so I think you have to let him take the second team reps. I'd like to see him on the field, like his athleticism is loud. We've seen that. But he's also, you know, I will, yeah, it was such an interesting conversation because I, I just, I don't have the, football IQ that the coaches do, obviously. Um, but they just, they had a lot of conversation in the first couple of weeks of the season about Mike being a better runner. And we, we always be like, Oh, Mike's a runner. Uh, Mike has like top end straight line speed. Mike doesn't have like, I, I don't know if Mike could spin out of tackles in the backfield in the same way that Bryce does. Bryce young. That is Mike has a different, sort of athleticism and it would be great to see him as a runner in some capacity but but he's better when he really gets them straight line speed they had to work with him to cut on sharper angles and not try to go east and west and try to go north and south better um the the word that joey lynch used in the non-conference was he's better at puncturing defenses 
um, than he was a season ago. And he would try to juke and all of that kind of stuff. Like the agility doesn't match the speed set for Mike Wright. So I don't, I also don't know that it's just as easy as like, well, we're going to put Mike out there and run the option a few times. Um, so, uh, I like to see him on the field a little bit. And if nothing else, he can, he can provide defenses, something to think about, but you also don't want to do so much with Mike that you, you bog down the practice of your, your foundational offense too. So I would worry a little bit about, you know, trying to come up with all of these crazy things for Mike and having everybody practice that. And then all of a sudden you can't throw the slant or the zone reads aren't quite as effective and the RPOs aren't quite as effective. So, um, long answer there, but, I think my gut is to try to find bits and pieces where, where he can kind of be effective slash a decoy while also making sure he's getting the appropriate reps as the backup. Andrew, I've appreciated your time today. Uh, we will catch up probably next after the Ole Miss game. Look forward to doing hey, that. Hey, you want to do one more thing, Chris? Here, let's sure. talk about one more thing. Let's do one social media. Like we, we're going to rip something from social media and we're going to make it <laughs> i'm not i'm not going to make it more than it is but it's been a talking point the past 24 hours so i'm curious your perspective northwestern puts out 800 million dollars worth of uh, investment in a football stadium um i know that's that's caused some heartburn at least publicly uh you, your perspective did you see that first off? Did you? See I, I did. I did see it, um, and I know they built facilities. Goodness, um, when did they build that big thing by the lake? That's been done for two or three years now, hasn't it? I was going to say at least. I was going to shoot. I was going to go for at least about five or so. Um, so it's been it's been a minute, uh, but they. I'm sure they've been working on it for five to ten years in terms of fundraising and, and construction and all of that sort of stuff. It's it's an immaculate facility. Yeah, I mean that. That's look. I I can't wait to see Vanderbilt get it done. Um, you know, my my thing with Vanderbilt, I think, is just when you you get the facilities announced, you have the NIL thing, and then and then the game is sort of changed again. Um, if if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, I my only reaction to it was. We would all love $800 million worth of stuff in addition to an extra 300 or 400 or whatever the total ends yeah. up being um, thrown at a football stadium or whatever. Um, I don't think Vanderbilt is working in the same geographical footprint as Northwestern, so that's part of it. Um, the notion of like deconstructing our stadium and reconstructing something else um, may not be quite so feasible. Um, you know, I think my one takeaway from it, which is sort of why I brought it up, is Nor Northwestern is doing this at a different point in its football program's growth. Like, how long has Pat Fitzgerald been there? He's Seven, one of the eight, longest tenured like coaches. Ten years? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's, been, it's been over a decade. Okay. So he's been there for a decade, and he's built the program. He's got clear sustained success and even if they have a drop-off they bounce back quickly the following year i can't remember i think it was like two years ago three years ago they had a down year and then they bounced back fairly quickly 
um, he's been able to kind of put the gears in place to have a successful program at their level. Um, and Vanderbilt's not there, but I don't think it's fair to equate what they're doing with the investment now compared to what Vanderbilt is doing with its investment. It's easy to just be like 300 versus 800 or whatever, but, but Northwestern has cultivated, uh, cultivated this notion of what Northwestern football is and can be under coach Pat Fitzgerald for the past 10 years or so done it with success on the field, had notable upsets, all of that sort of stuff invested in um, that beautiful facility, had a wonderful athletic director, so much so that he's now the commissioner of the ACC and Jim Phillips. Um, and, and Vandy's just not there, which is absolutely nothing against Vanderbilt, absolutely nothing against Candace Lee or anybody else inside Mugugan. It's just, you start where you start, right? Um, you start with, you can only start with what you have in front of you. Um, you can only start with the blueprint of uh, uh, your footprint, right? Your your physical, geographical footprint. <laughs> and you can only build from there. Um, so I, I just, I think those, I guess my point was through the $300, $400 million, whatever the final budget number is on all of this stuff, um, if you have success within that growth, then there's going to be more of a desire to invest within it, right? Like growth begets growth. Investment begets investment. If you're successful, success begets right. success. So I just, I just don't, I don't think, I don't think it's a apples to apples, orange to orange comparison between what Northwestern is doing and what Vanderbilt is doing. I mean, it would be, it would be great to just throw a billion dollars at all of the facilities and go if you're Vanderbilt. But I think the fact that you've, you've got the commitment to truly make things better from the university so much so that they're, you know, supporting a $300 million campaign, that's step one. And you can't compare Vanderbilt's step one to Northwestern's step eight or 20 or 30. I think that is also going to be used as a concert venue. Yeah, sure. And it's not like Vanderbilt couldn't do that sort of stuff too, right? Like it's funded right. by, you know, private investors and whatever. And I, I'm sure there's really intelligent business people that have um, basically staked a claim at the revenue that can be extracted from a new facility. Um, but I mean, again, I don't think you can compare and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but this truly feels like Vanderbilt step one, maybe step two or three, once you get past the let's get everybody on board with the same vision step, which is step one. Uh, and, and, and this clearly is not Northwestern step one. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, by the way, Pat Fitzgerald has been at Northwestern since 2006. I'd forgotten this. He was promoted to that position when Randy Walker died. He would have been what, like thirty-two at the time, I think. It's crazy. Yeah. That's that's awfully well, young to be a head coach, and he has made it work. Okay, so he's yeah, so he's been there for what sixteen years. Yeah, Is that that right? I mean, again, yeah, 
Vanderbilt step one is not Northwestern step 74. Right. Um, Andrew, appreciate you joining us. Uh, tell folks about the coverage you've got coming up for the Ole Miss game, coaches shows, anything else like that that you'd like to promote. I don't know, Chris, what should I promote? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Make sure you download the Vanderbilt Athletics app. We always appreciate you guys listening. That is very uh, genuine and sincere. Norm, Kevin, and I have a good time. Um, I think we'll have a, I think, fingers crossed, I say this delicately, I think we'll have an announcement somewhat soon on the new women's basketball radio voice, which um, if, if we cross the final hurdles there, I'm, I'm very excited about. Um, uh, 93, three classic hits in Nashville, the entire Vanderbilt athletics, uh, Vanderbilt sports network from Learfield is available on viewcommodores.com. Uh, anchor podcast is always available. We'll post the Commodore hour, you know, uh, come and join us. Uh, we always appreciate it. I think it means something to the coaches and the guests on the Commodore hour. Um, if you come hang out with us on a Monday night, 6 PM at the Commodore grill. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, for those that are into the country music world, um, unless something happens uh, unforeseen and there's late cancellations, which is always plausible, a um, guy by the name of Fillmore will sing the national anthem for Old Miss. He's, um, I, I mean, I love his management, so I'm not going to tell him short. He's on tour with Pitbull at the moment. Yeah, he's modern country. I get it's not, you know, Vince Gill singing the national anthem. Um, he's modern country, but, you know, he's. He's a big time up and comer. So we're, we're glad that, you know, you talk about, you know, investments into Vanderbilt athletics, whether it's first bank slapping a sign on a stadium or whether it's bits and pieces of the community that are interested in, in being around what we're doing. Um, there's some folks in and around music row that are interested in being around what we're doing. So that's a good thing too. So, uh, that's that, that's the spiel. If I missed anything, certainly feel free to reach out and let me know. Um, a, a genuine as always care at what we're doing to try to provide the best possible coverage for the fan base. Andrew, thanks a bunch. And I uh, look forward to talking to you again. I think after the Ole Miss game works for me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones, DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and my perfect franchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.